Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm Tom Brand, sitting in for Mike Adams here the next few days on Adams on Agriculture. It's a pleasure to be with you here on this Monday, the final week before we get to the Christmas holiday on Friday. Hope that things are shaping up well in your neck of the woods as we're looking forward to Christmas traditions continuing here in our part of the country. And I know that is the same for literally all of our listeners uh, coast to coast. So on our lineup today, it's a coast-to-coast Christmas storm that we've been watching. We'll visit with DTN's chief meteorologist Bryce Anderson about that. With only four days to go until Christmas, we'll talk Christmas trees with the real Christmas tree folks at the National Christmas Tree Association. And a COVID aid package has been passed through Congress. Our first guest this morning is the president and editor of AgriPulse, Sarah Wyatt, who joins us. And Sarah, a Merry Christmas to you and your entire AgriPulse crew. in from Mike. Nothing like a familiar face and an excellent farm broadcaster to fill his shoes while he's taking some much-needed vacation. I really appreciate that, Sarah, and, and uh, it, it's fun to put the uh, to put the wheels back on the bike, so, so to speak. Um, it's been a while since I've been behind the microphone and, and was honored whenever uh, Mike asked me to, to sit in for him here today, so thank you for that. Well, let's talk about uh, some things that are going on in D.C. The hottest news, of course, is this COVID aid package and there is quite a bit in it for agriculture. Absolutely. So we expect both houses to pass this measure today, but the significant part was that there was a deal reached over the weekend. Our team has been uh, tromping down the halls trying to get all the details that they possibly can. And here's what we do know as of now. There's going to be $13 billion in additional agricultural aid, including... $5 billion for extra payments for producers, up to $20 an acre for all row crop producers, another $3 billion for cattle producers and contract livestock and poultry growers, dairy farms, and those producers who were so hard hit by um, the supply chain disruptions and were forced to euthanize their livestock and poultry. So that's uh, that's a big part for the um, main part of our production uh, sector, but there's also going to be another $13 billion in nutrition aid, which, of course, was very, very important to the ranking member of the Senate Ag Committee, uh, Debbie Stabenow. And so we've got a 15% increase in supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits for six months and also another $7 billion to expand broadband access. And as you know, Tom, it was just such a difficult time for so many people in rural America who were shut in and had no Internet access because broadband is yeah. so very spotty across rural. So those are kind of some of the top-end things. But um, the, the bill is very complex, and, and we will be getting more and more details throughout the day, including you know, some additional funding for biofuels producers, organics, value-added, timber harvesting. Uh, it's, it's a very complex and comprehensive mix of aid that's going out, but thank goodness they finally cut the deal. 
Well, and at the same time, we've got a transition taking place over to USDA. I know that uh, one of your folks uh, talked with Senator Roberts, and, and he said you've got Sonny saying adios, and you've got Tom coming in. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting transition, and some of these programs will be enacted uh, through USDA, too. Well, it is. And, yes, uh, Senator Roberts, we caught him, he had his cowboy hat on over the weekend, and we stopped a real fun photo of him. But he uh, he's always been so accessible and talked about the fact that, you know, there really was not a lot of, of restriction on the way the money was administered at USDA. And, of course, that's always a concern to the leaders of the House and Senate Ag Committees who would like to know that they are putting the money out and authorizing it for specific uses. So what he had told us is that there's going to be more restriction on how USDA can spend some of this money so that it will be designated as the committee leaders uh, have intended and um, that they'll go through this transition. And and we really don't know how long it will take, but um, Tom Vilsack is expected to be easily uh, confirmed through the Senate Ag Committee and through the Senate unless some of these challenges that have come up over some of his past uh, work on diversity and inclusion, that that may raise its head again. But um, I I think that having been secretary for two terms, he's probably going to be one of those cabinet members who won't have too much trouble. Well, we know uh, on another note that uh, we're talking vaccinations for uh, for COVID and coronavirus. And over the weekend, the Center for Disease Control came out and said that food and agriculture workers should be included soon when it comes to getting vaccinations. Right. So as you know, the very first priority was to people 75 and older, as well as those in long-term care facilities. But the CDC over the weekend ruled that frontline workers in food and agriculture uh, should, uh, their recommendation is that they should be in group 1B. And so that moves them up a little bit. And certainly those are the folks that are at the front line of getting our meat processed, our, our milk processed, and fruits and vegetables moving out to, the, to all the consumers. And so it is very, very important that they have this kind of protection. And I think that's a decision by the CDC that was widely applauded by most uh, food and ag groups as well as uh, labor unions. You know, we uh, we know that there's a, uh, a transition that's going to be taking place, and President-elect Biden has already named several different uh, potential cabinet members. And over the weekend, he introduced his climate team that's made up of, of several departments that you would expect, but it does not include the Secretary of Agriculture mm-hmm. at this time. Well, you're right. So the climate team is six key cabinet and White House positions. That includes uh, his new EPA administrator pick, who is from North Carolina and getting some pretty good reviews from the ag community. There's Michael Reagan, the Interior Secretary, who's a representative from New Mexico. And the new position of the White House climate czar, which is EPA administrator, uh, former EPA administrator, Gina McCarthy. Um, she is not is he was not introduced as part of this team, but we all know that uh, Mr. Vilsack as well as uh, President-elect Biden have all talked about ag being part of the solution on climate, and that if we can get more and more farmers rewarded for taking climate-friendly practices, that that can be a very big part of addressing. Uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So even though he wasn't part of this formal announcement, I do think that um, there's going to be a lot of of, uh, cross-cabinet interaction. 
and Gina McCarthy will be charged with doing that. And as a result, uh, there should be a lot of work between EPA, Gina McCarthy, and Vilsack after he's confirmed in order to get some of these practices in place and find ways to, refor- to reward farmers for doing the extra work, whether it's cover crops or no-till or adopting new precision management techniques. Uh, they, they're not free, <laughs> and so they do take extra work and time. And if we can find ways to provide a financial reward, I think there's going to be quite a bit of interest across the countryside. Sarah Wyatt is president and editor of AgriPulse. Sarah, I know that uh, folks could add a subscription to AgriPulse into someone's stocking and probably make a great start to 2021 out there. We hope that they do. Absolutely. They can sign up on our website and get some good holiday discounts. Thank you so much, Tom. Merry Christmas to you and to everybody at ALA. Thanks very much, Sarah. We're going to talk weather. There's some Christmas storms out there. Bryce Anderson from DTN is going to join us coming up next. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve! By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to really cook. First, you can't tell it's done by how it looks. Use a food thermometer. Then, always stir, rotate the dish, and cover food when microwaving to prevent cold spots where bacteria can survive. Fast cooking should still be safe cooking. And bring sauces, soups, and gravies to a rolling boil when reheating. Even for the most experienced cooks, the improper heating and preparation of food means bacteria can survive. 
Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. I'm Tom Brand with the National Association of Farm Broadcasting, sitting in for Mike as he's enjoying a few days of vacation these next few days. And it's a pleasure to be with you here on this Monday morning, the first day of winter, officially underway, I guess, actually a little bit later today, if you want to get down to the specifics on the clock. But it is winter solstice, and happy winter solstice to you, as well as this Merry Christmas week. We're going to talk a little bit about the the weather with DTN's Chief Meteorologist Bryce Anderson. And Bryce, uh, happy winter solstice. Solstice Day to you. Well, thank you, Tom, and uh, the same to you. I, I do not have uh, my Stonehenge uh, replica set up out in the backyard, though, so <laughs> I'm not going to be able to get the exact shadow correct and all that kind of thing. But, but nonetheless, uh, it's uh, you know it's a, a, a fun occasion, and uh, in spite of everything that we've had to uh, endure and uh, put up with this year, uh, this is still uh, you know a time of. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of nostalgia, a lot of memory, a lot of anticipation, and uh, so I hope that uh, that kind of uh, energy is is a big part of uh, this uh, this particular week in a good way for for everybody. Well, we know you are a meteorologist and not an astronomer, but more than likely you will still have your eyes on the sky. As there's a lot of folks that are talking about the so-called Christmas star with Jupiter and Saturn being so closely aligned this evening. Yeah, the conjunction or the confluence. Uh, there was some discussion about that um, that uh, that referred to uh, a little bit of uh, that that feature uh, going on last night, and and I I checked uh, I checked things uh, last evening, and um, it was not visible uh, here in Omaha because we had a pretty heavy cloud cover. So I'm hoping for tonight, you know, since this is the night uh, for that uh, to occur that. That about an hour after sunset, that uh, the sky will be clear enough, and maybe there can be a, a little bit of a glimpse of that. Uh, that's that's uh, really uh, a fun piece of history. I mean, talking about what the closest uh, uh, closest occurrence uh, at proximity of those two planets uh, since back in Galileo's time frame, you know, three three hundred yeah. three hundred fifty years ago. I mean, that's that's. Uh, something else, and uh, and that would be great if it uh, indeed takes place. Uh, so the people can see it. I know it's going to take place, but if uh, a lot of <laughs> That's people right. can get a look at it, that would, that would really be fun. Well, we know there may be parts of the country that won't be able to get a look at it. To the north, we've got an Arctic air blast, and and there's some snow that's going to work its way across the, the north. Some folks are even calling it the coast-to-coast Christmas storm, too. Well, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a a real, um, a real variable uh, Christmas holiday because uh, the way the pattern is acting, uh, you've got uh, moisture with rain and snow just kind of focused over that northern tier of states. And yes, uh, it uh, is likely to uh, be a feature 
across the northern tier of states over the next week, and uh, this would add uh, more snow to the northeast where they had, you know, that uh, terrific uh, heavy event last week with, what, more than three feet of snow that occurred in uh, parts of the northeast. But, boy, for quite a few other uh, areas here in the continental U.S., uh, it's looking uh, very dry, and uh, there may be a lot of fair skies for for several days anyway uh, as we get through this uh, week. So, you know, the moisture is focused on the north, and then uh, elsewhere it's it's really not looking very promising. So a lot of, uh, a lot of areas are, are going to be uh, absent of white Christmas, even in, in places that, you know, can have a fair shot at it, like uh, here in, in uh, the central part of the country. Uh, we have had uh, some pretty uh, solid white Christmases from time to time, but uh, this is not going to be one of them uh, after uh, the way this uh, particular pattern has developed. In fact, for for a lot of our audience, the, the last time that they saw quite a bit of white was ironically in the month of October before even Halloween. I, yeah, I know. And boy, what a uh, what an event that was with that heavy uh, snowfall that took place and uh, caused all sorts of issues of harvest and and uh, you know in some areas just added to the misery from this past season uh, with the uh, heavy windstorm, derecho damage, and then drought on top of that. So yeah, it's it was a very uh, very topsy turvy, uh, a real flip uh, during that uh, that particular point in the fall season, and then we turned things around. You know, I was on a uh, conference call last week, Tom, uh, with a review of the November uh, climate report uh, for the NOAA Central Region that covers uh, uh, quite a bit of the country, from the Rockies uh, to the Ohio Valley and Great Lakes, and then from the U.S. Canadian border south. Uh, to the uh, to the uh, Missouri Arkansas line, and um, there were several observers from Montana who were on the call, saying that they could not remember the last time that they were talking about conditions at the end of November, uh, where there was no snow cover anywhere in Montana. So they were, you know, they were really uh, trying to figure things out there. It, uh, it's just an indication of of how this uh, late fall pattern. Uh, was so uh, warm and dry in many areas. Well, even though we may not see white, there is going to be a, a, a cold front pushing in. I'm, I'm, I'm broadcasting from the KFEQ radio studios in St. Joseph, Missouri today with an expected high, I think, around 58, 59. But I've seen the forecast for a high of 28 by the time Thursday gets here. Well, yeah, that's going to be more Christmas-like. By the way, uh, you know, hello to everyone at KFEQ from my standpoint personally yeah. uh, in my history from years ago. Um, and the, so the temperatures are going to be certainly more seasonal. But, uh, boy, I tell you, this pattern does not, does not want to bring a whole lot of moisture with it. We're going to get, you know, a few skiffs of snow that kind of cross uh, the uh, northern plains into the Midwest and, maybe three inches of snow at the outside in the northern part of the Midwest, but uh, this is not a, a, a real solid, uh, heavy snow-producing pattern. It's kind of these Alberta Clipper-type things. This is a real impact, a, a real effect, kind of a fingerprint, Tom, of uh, the La Nina uh, temperature uh, and pressure pattern that we've got going on in the equatorial region of the Pacific because during a La Nina winter, uh, we tend to have you know kind of a colder uh, trend 
over much of the interior of the country, and precipitation shows a tendency to really focus on that northern tier of the country, maybe then sliding eastward toward the Ohio Valley uh, Great Lakes. But, boy, elsewhere, it's uh, a real uh, roll of the dice on uh, on getting any moisture to, uh, you know, really be meaningful in terms of developing, and uh, that is uh, starting to play out. If we go south of the equator into South America, they are dealing with quite the opposite. It's been wet. Is it still wet in South America? Well, it, uh, this uh, this pattern in South America is uh, turning uh, very La Nina-like at this point because in central Brazil and then uh, kind of the southeastern part of the Brazil crop areas, the state of Mato Grosso, Goiás, uh, Minas, uh, those states are uh, very wet right now. They're getting some heavy rainfall uh, after in kind of a, a back and forth uh, round of precipitation recently. But in southern Brazil, Rio Grande do Sul state and then through Argentina, boy, the radar is uh, just clear as a bell today. And that's the way it's going to be over the next week in that part of the world. Uh, so the, the, uh, the imprint of La Nina is going to be pronounced in Brazil with that northern half of the Brazil crop area is very wet uh, from three to six inches of rain in the forecast. But in contrast, then southern Brazil through Argentina, they've got hardly anything going on for rainfall and uh, temperatures turning from near to below normal to near to above normal. And uh, I was uh, visiting with uh, a, uh, a representative of the uh, Rosario Grain Exchange in Argentina last week, Tom, uh, he was very worried about how this pattern is shaping up because their subsoil moisture is just about non-existent. Uh, they've got a little bit of moisture in the top, uh, like, five inches of the soil profile, and out, outside of that, it's dry. Uh, they're very concerned about crop stress, and already we started to see some crop estimates uh, start to be dialed back because of uh, drought concerns in Argentina. Boy, that's, that's a La Nina stamp right there. Are the markets paying as much attention to this weather pattern yet, or is it just still too early that they're saying, eh, let's wait a bit? No, there has been uh, some market uh, reaction, especially in the last, uh, I would say, 10 days, because uh, the closer we get to the end of December, you know, that's basically the southern equivalent, the southern hemisphere equivalent of the month of June, and... Um, and we know what a, a dry end of the month of June can be like for markets here in the U.S. They're starting to uh, show that concern now regarding the Southern Hemisphere dryness potential. Bryce, we appreciate the opportunity to connect up. Merry Christmas to you. We'll look forward to uh, you being back with Mike in a few weeks. Okay, thank you, Tom. Merry Christmas to you also. Merry Christmas. Bryce Anderson, DTN's Chief Meteorologist, our guest here today on AOA. Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing 
top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rawl with a market check here on this Monday morning. The U.S. dollar index is sharply higher as safe haven assets become more in demand and the British pound falls over 2%. The soy complex is doing its best to shake a negative stretch seen from last week. On the Board of Trade, March soybeans trading 9 cents higher at 12.33. The November contract up 3 and 3 quarters at 10.85. March corn trading a penny and 3 quarters lower at 435 and three quarters. The May contract down a penny and a fraction at 438. Minneapolis spring wheat March trading three quarters of a cent lower at 567 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat March down a penny and a half cent at 567 and three quarters. Chicago wheat March down two and a half cent at 605 and three quarters. The combination of firming livestock markets last week and continued focus on plans to roll out another COVID-19 vaccine starting Monday morning is creating hopes of moving forward and back to normal as soon as possible. For the week ending December 12th, imported beef passport entry in the U.S. totaled 38,151, 91.26% from the previous week and 103.66% of the four-week average. Livestock is trading lower on the Board of Trade on Monday morning. April live cattle trading 75 cents lower at 117.90. The June contract down 62 at 113.45. January feeder cattle down 55 at 139.90. The March contract down 40 at 141.90. Lean hogs February down 27 at 65.52. The April contract down 32 at 69.60. In the outside markets, the Dow is down 382 points, the Nasdaq Composite down 225, the S&P 500 down 68. You are listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Egg Network. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything. Editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Welcome back to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. I'm Tom Brand, filling in for Mike Adams today, and we're in the Christmas season, and what better topic to talk about than Christmas trees? With us today is the seasonal spokesperson with the National Christmas Tree Association, Doug Hundley. Doug, let's just uh, begin and, and hear a little bit of your background on Christmas trees. Well, good good, good morning, Tom. Um, uh, thanks for having us. I'm glad you contacted the National Association. Um, I uh, am uh, I am a, a 70 year old retired agriculture extension agent from North Carolina who um, was contacted by the National Tree Association um, to uh, uh, speak to the media about about the Christmas tree season each year. Reason being that I had. Uh, I had 25 years with as an extension agent working directly in the Christmas tree industry, and uh, have and had 15 more years beyond that growing Christmas trees myself. So, uh, no doubt you are familiar with uh, with all the work that's involved in bringing a Christmas tree from the field to uh, to someone's home or someone's place of business. That's true. That's true. Yes. Is there a specialty um, tree that that you prefer? Well, the I uh, I've uh, spent my life in Western North Carolina. These are the Southern Appalachians, and this is where we grow Fraser fir. Uh, we can grow a few other um, conifers here as well in our nursery trade, but uh, Fraser fir has been such a successful Christmas tree that uh, that's been most of our focus. And um, uh, but it's uh, it's been an up and coming Christmas tree for the last forty years or so in the uh, national market. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, the the Christmas Tree Association itself. How did it come to to be? How was it formed? Well, let me give you some context. the uh, The nation's uh, Christmas tree industry, the real Christmas tree industry, is fifteen thousand plus family farms. Uh, it, it began back about the turn of the century, but did not get to this scale until, oh, the 1960s and 70s. Uh, it being individual family farms, um, many of them were 10 acres or less. And uh, uh, in the 70s and 80s, they, they grew a lot and got bigger and, and began to wholesale trees out of their own region or out of their own state. And there became a need for a national representation of of the growers and of the industry. And so the National Tree Association was uh, occur, uh, uh, the founding date. All I know is it was in the 19, late 1950s. And... Um, um, we uh, we're now the uh, an umbrella organization or association that where we can speak for the whole industry. Many states in this nation, all states in this nation, grow some Christmas trees that they market locally at least. But, but several will will grow uh, trees and export them wholesale. Uh, so there are state associations as well, and we umbrella over those as well. Now, I want to point out to our listeners that uh, you mentioned real Christmas trees. That is the focus here. These are these are real trees and not an artificial tree. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's our competition, and uh, 
and it's a serious competition, as people probably know. The last uh, 30, 40 years, real, uh, the artificial tree has taken a big chunk of the market. Uh, their convenience, of course, has to be the, the main thing. And uh, we, uh, we just uh, uh, would like to see people keep using real trees as much as, as they can. Uh, they provide a, they provide character and tradition and history that goes far beyond a, a fake tree. Well, let's talk about those folks that that raise trees. These are family farm yes. operations. Yes, they are. They are. Uh, they usually start out. Uh, honestly, they start out as a as a sideline. Uh, they may be a farm that is producing other crops. But many uh, uh, just have some acreage and decide to utilize that pasture and started planting Christmas trees because um, um, they thought it might be something to try. And they had, they had another job, like most farmers have, have a public job to support their farming habit. And, uh, and uh, sure enough, the Christmas trees have turned out to be a, uh, can turn out to be a highly profitable crop. And um, many of these guys that now have large uh, farms with uh, full-time Christmas tree farms with a lot of employees, they all started out like the first guys planting a thousand trees at a time, one and half an acre at a time. And uh, uh, and uh, even though some of them are quite large now, it, they're still family operations. And I'm going to guess that most of these are, are family operations because when it comes to the life of a Christmas tree, this isn't more than likely going to be a four H or an FFA project because it takes years to bring a, a tree to the marketplace. <laughs> it's uh, such a different crop, you know. Um, uh, when it, it when we plant the, uh, the 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 transplants, we call them to the field. They're already three to five years old when we when we uh, have them ready for the field, and then we're going to grow them for another five to ten years minimum, and much longer if the tree if we want to grow bigger trees. So, oh, it's a huge investment in time. Uh, it's also a huge investment in labor. <clears throat> uh, very often, these trees do well in uh, on terrain. <laughs> the drains well. Excuse me, Tom. <laughs> they do well in ground that drains well, and so we get up on mountains and and slopes and foothills and uh, equipment. Tractors don't don't work as well on this terrain, and so we've we've had a a crop that's largely managed by hand labor, and uh, I don't think people realize that so much. Uh, we have to uh, we distribute most of the time we're distributing fertilizer by hand we're planting by hand we're shearing the trees by hand every every tree is uh is is pruned and sheared every year um and uh and then of course harvesting is uh, done by hand uh there's not much automated about this about this yet is, does that start year one, or does it take a few years before there's that much labor that's involved in, in shaping that tree? Well, the, the, you know, we really start right away. Uh, the very first few years, getting the tree uh, pruned in a certain way, in a certain shape, is is important to it. 
and uh, uh, so it's it's a it's a it's a regular routine that has to be tended to uh, every year for every tree. What's the biggest threats then that that come along to, to Christmas trees as as far as pests and 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 maybe even some mm-hmm. some animals? Well, yeah, um, here the last um, ten to twenty years. We've had a, a, you probably know this from every other farming operation, we, we've got a lot more deer involved in farming that we didn't used to have. And, uh, and they have taken a liking to certain conifers. Um, and they, uh, they will take a small tree and, and, and take it down to the trunk if we're, if we're not careful. So we're, we're mostly using repellents at this time. Um, and uh, but in some cases the deer are so severe you have to build fencing as well. Uh, but then we've got then we've got um, uh, problems with some diseases and some insects uh, that require us to spray the trees. I want to emphasize that as of uh, over ten fifteen years ago we've we've thoroughly bought into the integrated pest management approach and. Uh, uh, you, your listeners probably know it as IPM. Um, we uh, we don't calendar spray anymore. We uh, we're scouting our trees for for pests for uh, insect and disease management, and uh, and only treating when there's an economic threshold that's caught that's crossed. And then we're using least toxic pesticides. Uh, um, we're doing some releases of beneficial insects. Um, we are managing our ground covers differently than we used to. Uh, we used to uh, use uh, quite a bit of herbicide to help us with the, the weed management. We're not doing that anymore. We're now letting ground covers grow, and uh, and we're, we're we're suppressing the growth of them, but we're not killing them so that we don't lose uh, our important soil conservation. Um, we. Uh, we also don't. Uh, we also don't uh, uh, fertilize as much because of these ground covers. Because a lot of perennial weeds or ground covers uh, are nitrogen fixing, and we can uh, provide at least half of our nitrogen needs through uh, uh, natural fixing of nitrogen by clovers and other other uh, non-competitive uh, perennial plants. So we've got a really green system going. Literally, we have good weeds suppressing the bad weeds. We have good bugs suppressing the bad bugs, um, and it's worked out really well. Um, in North Carolina, for instance, Dr. Jill Sidebottom has been able to document that, that the uh, reduction in pesticide use in Christmas tree production is uh, running at about 75% of what it was back in the uh, 80s and 90s. Thanks, Doug. We're talking Christmas trees with Doug Hundley, who is the seasonal spokesperson with the National Christmas Tree Association here today on Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. The Home Service Club sponsors this paid advertisement. Attention homeowners, broken AC, $4,600. Water heater, $1,500. Fridge on the fritz, $1,000. You need home warranty coverage from the Home Service Club. For around a dollar a day, if any of your covered appliances and systems break down, 
HSC will either do the repair or replace them. HSC has over 15,000 pre-screened, highly rated technicians with the fastest response time in the industry. HSC provides coverage for up to 47 different appliances and systems in your home. Call for a free, no-obligation quote from a trusted HSC service specialist about a home warranty for your entire home, all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-434-5301 Call now and get your first month free, plus $75 off your first year. 800-434-5301 800-434-5301 That's 800-434-5301 800-434-5301 I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Neil Armstrong waited six hours and 39 minutes to step onto the surface of the moon. Jackie Robinson waited 20 months to play his first game with the Brooklyn Dodgers. And even DiCaprio had to wait 22 years to win an Oscar. You can wait until your destination. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. These are the sounds of a dinner. A dinner that almost didn't happen. A dinner now served, thanks to people like you. Due to COVID-19, 17 million more Americans may face hunger. Feeding America is helping our neighbors in need. And if you're able, you can too. Donations are being accepted at feedingamerica.org coronavirus. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Feeding America. 200 food banks strong. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? 
When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Tom Brand sitting in for Mike here for a few days as we get into the the Christmas and the New Year's season. Merry Christmas to you and your family. We're glad that you joined us here today. Our conversation continues with Doug Hundley, who is the seasonal spokesperson with the National Christmas Tree Association, the Real Christmas Tree Association. And Doug, whenever we think about what 2020 has been, a lot of folks have uh, have said, man, I'm glad that uh, we're getting closer and closer to the new year. How has it been for Christmas tree growers? Well, Merry Christmas, Tom. This has been a very surprising and an exciting year for, for the real Christmas tree growers and sellers. And apparently the consumer is they have been flooding the retail sites for trees this year. We were taken back by it at first, but we, we kind of ended because of COVID. It does seem to be a COVID response. People are staying home more, uh, not, not traveling. Uh, there may be more homes needing more trees. But there's also a great need for mitigating the stresses of the 2020 COVID experience, we think. And, and there seems to be a strong tendency towards real trees this year. People want to hang on to something safe and normal in their life. And they remember the real trees or they've always used them. We have a lot of new people, we think. So sales are, are definitely up this year. We don't know how much. We can't tell until we do our consumer survey later this winter. <clears throat> but it's been a very exciting time. Have you heard feedback? I'm sure you have already from some of the UCUT um, operations that are out there. Is is that your gauge as to as to how uh, how business has been going, or do you look at some other markets too? Oh yeah, we we look at all the markets from the urban tree lots chain stores all the way out into the countryside where many people are going now to get their trees, there has been a definite uptick in sales. Also, we've talked to um, Christmas tree people in Europe and Great Britain, and the same thing is happening there. So it seems to be a worldwide phenomenon. The funny thing is, is when it comes to the planning, the Christmas tree growers uh, didn't know this was coming a year ago, yet alone 10 years ago when these trees went in the ground. That's right. It's, uh, it's, it's just the nature of, of this situation. We're, uh, what Christmas tree growers tend to do is they have a farm of whatever size, 10 acres to 200, and they're going to keep that farm full of trees and they can't plant back until they have room. And uh, as they sell trees, they replant them. We've always replanted these trees as rapidly or even more rapidly than we uh, sell them. 
Christmas tree production is not cutting trees out of the woods. That's the first thing. Uh, these trees are grown for this purpose. So environmentally, we're adding to forestry in the United States. And every Christmas tree, real Christmas tree, that's used in the United States is grown right here. So the consumer is, is supporting the American economy. And we're also a very green product, certainly compared to the artificial tree. Uh, so we're, we're proud to be able to help the, the, the COVID uh, stress of COVID for all Americans this year with this product. So how are growers planning for the future, knowing that this could be a, a trend that kicks in some new traditions for families? Well, it, it may, uh, with a lot of new people trying real trees, um, that might be that might have a residual impact for coming years. So people will continue to maximize their 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 planting. Um, how how much they they get into new property we don't know. That's that's the thing about the these fifteen plus thousand individual family farms. That's a lot of different decision makers, and. Um, uh, and it, it, you know, I know it would be simpler if we had two or three corporate farms growing all our trees, and they could they could probably manage it better than we do. But then again, we really wouldn't want to lose the the local farmer that uh, that that is the source of the Christmas tree industry. And because there's fifteen different thousand farmers that are growing those trees, that probably means you've got fifteen thousand plus different arrangements on on how those get out to retailers as, as well as the UCAT operations too. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, there's an untold number of thousands of retailers who are also deciding what what they how how they want to do what. So it's a it's it's a little bit of mass hysteria, as you've probably noticed at times every Christmas with Christmas trees. But it's uh, you know there's a natural economic ebb and flow here that's that's worked out for 75 years or more now, and and we just have to trust that it'll. It'll be they'll be there. Enough will be there every year uh, for a good, I guess, forty years now. We've we've not had anything that resembles a shortage of trees. We are right now are running on a on a tight supply. That tight supply is a healthy. It's a very healthy thing for Christmas tree growers in the industry. Uh, for a number of years uh, in the uh, in the early 2000s, we actually had too many trees, and it drove the price down where they became practically impro- unprofitable. And we even lost some, some some growers who got out of the business. This current time, even though prices seem up, they are uh, on an inflationary scale. They're actually the same price they were 30 years ago, and. Uh, so these are good times. It's it's controlling the sustainable economic sustainability of the industry, while the uh, integrated pest management is, is 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 taking care of the environmental sustainability of the industry. Well, Doug, we know there's a few days before Christmas. As we wrap it up, not too late for folks to go out and and cut a tree or to to find a nice one on a lot to add to their home this holiday season. I'm sure they'll find one. It's uh, the lot that they uh, maybe have uh, normally gone to, maybe getting low now. That's perfectly normal. Um, we, uh, you know, what a Christmas tree is worth uh, on December the 26th. 
Right. Right. Um, right. So, so uh, if these guys run out of trees at the end, that's a good thing. Doug, we appreciate uh, the time and, uh, and the, the chance to catch up and, and visit about uh, what's going on in the industry. Merry Christmas to you and, and, and all your grower families. Uh, thanks, Tom. Thanks for getting in touch with us. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world.